Hello and welcome to Dark Concepts, a supernatural horror podcast written and read by me, Brian J. Cummings. Starting next month, I want to start having a regular series of episodes specifically for ghost stories. So um, I primarily just want to read ghost stories that don't happen to me. Um, <laughs> and if you have a ghost story that you want to tell, uh, dude, let me know. Um, submission is in the description below or just email me at darkconceptspod at gmail.com. This is totally new for me, but it's something I've wanted to do for a pretty long time. Um, this is a podcast primarily for fiction, but it's always been deeply rooted in events and things that cannot be explained. Because sometimes the truth can be stranger and scarier than fiction. So that, at the moment, is the biggest bit of news I have. Uh, as usual, I want to do all the things, but I need to take baby steps because I just need to see how things pan out. My sole focus will always be the writing, though. In this past year, I've done quite a bit of it. I probably have written close to about 500,000 words this year. My big question is, where the hell are they? Um, that's like several books. <laughs> I just love hiding away from everyone and everything and just lighting a bunch of candles, having coffee, and just writing the day away. That's like my favorite. That's my favorite day. Um, and I, that's why I wake up at 3 a.m. Just to get it, get it done, get it in, especially before the workday starts. But it is easy to just write and write and write and not share it, you know? It's super easy to say, it's just not ready yet. And some of us writers out there, they're like me, they just, you never, you sometimes never do reach a state where you're ready, you know? But um, it is a common excuse that I've found, especially for me. Um, money is also another issue, especially for self-publishing, longer form works. It can get pretty expensive, especially um, when you want to release books the way I want to. <laughs> so, um, Hence why I put out short stories on a podcast. It's quick, it's easy, and it's, it's fun. But uh, I think it is time. To do a little bit more than this, though. So I think next year is going to be a good year for getting out physical releases and just getting done with the seven to nine-ish novels that I have just hanging around that I've been pecking at, you know, over the last few years. So so it looks like my New Year's resolution will be to next year actually physically publish a book <laughs> and submit short stories to small presses and all that good shit. So uh, hold me to it. So with all that out of the way, let's get the final story of 2022 started. After losing her brother months earlier, Leela couldn't help but dwell on his mysterious and horrifying death days before Christmas. His memory may not be the only thing haunting her during what should be a joyous season. It seems what we long for, we sometimes call into being. The Lich Leela watched as the snowflakes drifted past her window in the dark winter night. Just beyond, multicolored Christmas lights danced and flickered, illuminating the house in a chromatic, blissful light. Holding her mug of hot cocoa, Leela thought about what her brother was doing. 
Of course, he wasn't doing anything. He had died the past summer in a freak accident. That's what everyone had said. She hadn't seen him since he left the house that fateful July morning, his backpack on, going on an adventure in the woods with his friends. The funeral had been a closed casket affair, and though Leela was only 12, she understood what that had meant. Her brother was an unrecognizable mass of torn flesh and broken bones. She had nightmares, many of which her brother would appear to her, his face caved in with a hole where his head had been smashed face first onto a six inch wide tree branch. He would stand, his skin ghostly white against the black and green of the dark forest his flesh and clothes picked at by crows and other creatures. He would beckon her to come with him into the darkness. Those nights, though rare, she would wake up screaming. Last night was the worst, though. It had been snowing, but in the dream it was warm as though it had been in July when her brother's corpse lay moldering in the woods, as it did for nearly a month before he was found. Beneath her bare feet, she could feel the cool, wet grass between her toes and smell something like putrefying meat on the subtle breeze. She shivered, and for a moment, the most horrible moment, she actually believed she was standing in her backyard, which sat against the woods, looking at her brother's ravaged corpse, ravaged by the lich that lived deep in the woods. Leela didn't know what a lich was. She supposed it was some kind of spirit creature, like a ghost or something. Her brother had believed in it, as did many of the other neighborhood kids. Tony Rollins swore he saw it before he heard Leela's brother screaming. Two boys died that day in the woods, and three of them came out, severely traumatized. She stared out into the snow, a sight that normally would have brought happiness, but instead she felt cold felt empty. Cold and empty as her brother's bedroom upstairs, a place she refused to go into after his death. Her parents went in there from time to time, and she would try to ignore the quiet sobs as she passed the doorway in the mornings as she hurried down to breakfast, or at night just before bed. She had tried to find her brother, got everything ready in a backpack to go and bring him home a day after the event, but she was stopped by her father. That was the day three of the five boys made it out of the woods. The ones that would survive, but would be scarred forever because of what they would claim to have seen. The grown-ups had believed there was a squatter living in the woods that was killing the kids. They searched the area for months for a sign of someone living out there, but there was no trace of another human anywhere for miles. The woods there were vast, deep, and dark. And Leela knew, in her heart, that what had happened to her brother wasn't something that the grown-ups could understand. Her parents, especially because of their professions in the medical and engineering fields, they didn't have room in their busy minds for ghosts and monsters. The world they lived in didn't accommodate for it. Leela believed her brother's friends. She knew to believe them because of what she had seen several months earlier while sitting in the backyard playing by herself one day. It was only a partial glimpse, but it was enough to send her screaming into the house to her mother who was sitting in the living room reading a book. It was tall, shrouded in black, and peering at her around the edge of a tree. Its pale, spindle-like fingers curved around the bark as its coal-black eyes glittered at her. The wrinkled, pale face broke into a half-grin as it slunk shadow-like back into the forest without another noise. 
Leela pulled her eyes away from the window as her mother called out to her from the other room to get ready for bed. The cocoa in her mug had gone cold, so she dumped it out, not wanting to drink it anyway. Her mind was far away from any Christmas cheer, and even jolly old Saint Nick couldn't bring her out of this. In her mind, she was seeing her brother and knew that tonight the dream would return. She could feel it as a palpable thrum as she brushed her teeth, and even as her parents tucked her in, Something that usually got the bad little ghosties, as her father called them, to go away. She understood deep down that this thing wasn't some bad little ghostie. This was for real. And not just a kid afraid of the dark, but a real terror. Something that could reach out and grab you, cave your face in, end your life. She lay in the dark, the Christmas lights dancing outside, casting maddening shapes along her walls. Shapes of monsters. One flash of the lights caused the corner of her room to illuminate, and she swore she saw someone standing there. The cycle of lights went through again, but this time there was nothing there. Sighing, she turned in bed and snuggled into her blankets. She was getting too worked up. She closed her eyes and tried her best to fall asleep. The sound of tinkling bells came from a spot not far from her face. She opened her eyes. Nothing was there. She closed them again, beginning to feel more irritated than fearful. For a moment, she thought it may be a good idea to go sleep with mom and dad, but she cast the idea aside. She understood they weren't too keen on her sleeping with them. They never came out and told her so, but it was plainly obvious to her when she was fearful and showed up at their door in the night. The sighs from her mother and her father's groans. The tinkling came again. This time it was accompanied by a smell that reminded her of when she dropped a carton of eggs out of the fridge when they had gone bad. Her eyes were open, and in the sequence of the multicolored Christmas lights outside, she saw not a person standing right at the edge of her bed, but a floating face. A luminous wrinkled face was grinning at her from a couple feet away. She jumped back, nearly falling from the bed, and saw to her horror that the face had started to rise into the air. The Christmas lights outside began flickering as the creature standing in her room produced a low, gurgling chuckle. In the flickering light, she could make out a being hunched over against the ceiling. A mangled body of what looked like black, tangled tree roots binding it together in a loose representation of a human form. It reached out with a gnarled hand at her face and she screamed as a rough, bark-like finger caressed her cheek. Scream all you want, it said in a growl. But behind the growl, she could hear a voice that froze her heart. Her brother's voice. I have you in my power. No one can help you. No one. But yourself. And the thing let loose a maniacal howling laugh. And the laugh was that of her dead brother's. But it was stifled as though the tree roots had tried to bind its throat closed. What do you mean, no one but myself? Leela asked. It was you who called me here, and it is only you that can destroy me, it said in a sort of croon. It made rasping noises as it breathed, the sound of it nearly causing Leela's own throat to close in on itself. The lights flickered on and off once more in a chaotic display. Leela saw that the strange wooden armor the thing wore was actually a cloak, and within the center of the creature's bare-ribbed chest was a dark red crystal the size of a grapefruit. 
Leela had seen crystals before, rubies even, but she had never seen one that large in her life. It was there for the briefest moment before the ruby slid back into darkness. The sight of the ruby gave Leela an idea. She saw it of the Grinch of all things. It even sounded like a lich. Perhaps the way to defeating this creature wasn't to fight against it, but to make its heart grow? How could she think of such a thing in the face of a monster that so brutally murdered her brother was unnerving? And it sent a shock of revulsion through her, but something, something was telling her that this monster couldn't see the good in the world, and it would set it off balance. She took a breath and looked into the face of the creature, a creature that looked utterly horrid, but could have once been human, been a life once lived. She didn't want to think about how the creature looming before her had formed. She didn't want to understand how it was the lich that found her and managed to get into her bedroom. All Leela was concerned about was how to save this wretched creature. For in saving the lich, it meant saving herself also. Remember when? Leela began, faltered, but took a breath and started once more, sealing her voice with a bravery that seemed to transgress her age. Remember last Christmas when you woke me up but couldn't wait to give me my present? She asked. The creature tilted its ugly head in confusion, but Leela wasn't speaking to the creature, but to the voice it had stolen from her brother. It was the only part she could touch. I do, the creature said, only it was in her brother's voice. What was it that you gave me? The creature's eyes widened and it spoke in her brother's voice once more. Only this time the voice was smoother, gentler. It was a music box I had found. The voice came from the creature's mouth. The eyes blinked in confusion. And what Leela was realizing was utter horror. No! It snarled. The voice of her brother was gone. A long gnarled claw swiped at Leela but it didn't make contact. As a gnarled arm flew through the air, it stopped as if an unseen hand had seized it. Both the creature and Leela froze, Leela staring at the creature's clawed hand in utter horror, the lich in confusion. Leela looked back at the creature and saw that the wrinkles in its face had somehow deepened. The glow of its eyes was more fierce now, pulling its arm back away from the little girl as if withdrawing it from Tar. Remember your birthday last year? The one where you finally got to go to the go-kart track you always wanted? Remember the race you won that day? Jonathan, you are still in that race. You are still here, and you can defeat this creature. You can do this. She was saying things now, saying them faster than they could come to mind. The creature began to stalk away from the girl now, the look of confusion crumbling to that of unmitigated horror. It froze against the wall, and all Leela could make out was the glowing eyes as he peered at her, almost meekly. The voice of her dead brother came through. I remember. I remember, Leela. I just... I can't see you. I can hear you, but I can't see you. It's so cold down here. I, I don't know. He whimpered. At this, Leela got out of bed, and before she realized what she was doing, and moving on instinct alone, she rushed at the creature standing at the darkened corner of the room. Ignoring its guttural scream, she ran full force into it and gave it a crushing hug. She remembered the Christmas list her mother told her to write to Santa this year. She had left it blank because she didn't know how to ask for what she wanted most. She wanted her older brother back. 
and some part of her knew that Santa wasn't the one to ask. It was something she had to do for herself. She wrenched backwards, her arms clutching hold of a waist. She felt the thing fighting against her, clawing at her arms and face, but as she pulled she felt a strange fibrous attachment snapping loose, each one emitting a loud cracking pop that seemed to echo down to some unknown depth. She pulled free who she knew deep down was her brother from the fastenings of the creature and listened to it stomp around the room and with a sudden crash go sailing out through the window out into the snowy night. As Leela held on to her brother, she felt him slip away a moment before several footsteps came running up to her bedroom door and it flew open. Honey, are you all... What happened to your window? Her father asked, cutting off her mother as he walked over to inspect it. He turned to her and froze. Leela had been holding on to something when the lights in the room came on. The day Jonathan had gone missing, there was one thing that they had never recovered with his body. Jonathan's camping backpack was clasped to Leela's chest, still covered in snow and caked with dirt and mud. Her father came over and gently took it from Leela with shaking hands. Her mother covered her mouth and tears began to fill her eyes. How did you... Her father asked, looking out the window and how it had shattered outward. The monster brought it. The one Jonathan had been in the woods looking for. It came for me, but it didn't get me. I pulled Jonathan from it. He's free now. Leela woke Christmas morning to the sound of bells. She got up, still hearing them as she got out of bed, and happened to glance out her new window towards the snow-covered woods, gently lit with the early dawn. Jonathan was standing there, just like he had right before he had gone into the woods that final time. He was smiling and waving. In that instant, he was gone. Leela never saw her brother's spirit again, but she knew he was always with her, watching over her and protecting her, because the lich never returned. Okay, so that was the lich, and now is the ghost story segment. So this one this week is pretty quick and just kind of fucking weird. Anyway, as always, so um, I have to admit something here. I love graveyards. I love running in graveyards as well. They're just super, super peaceful. A lot of people find graveyards, you know, it's always depicted to be something morbid, but I think it's a little bit, to me, it's, it's like a refresher on the often forgotten aspects of life. Yeah, we all often tend to just forget about the fact that we're only here for a finite amount of time. So, and uh, just running in the graveyard is a pretty good motivator. And just like, it keeps in mind, like, we have things to do here. And things don't ever remain the same. Things change, and there will always come a time when it will be too late to do some things. So, uh, just like the years as they come and go, waxing and waning, our lives are the same way. And those of us above ground still have a chance to learn, to grow, to change, all for the better of not only for ourselves, but for the world around us, you know? And so this was the kind of stuff I had going through my head when I was running. And uh, it was right about then when I was almost hit by a massive black car driving through the cemetery. South Street Cemetery has some paved roads, but most of them are just gravel paths, and they're wide enough for vehicles to drive around the rows of graves. And I was running a, up on a s intersection, 
And right when I reach, I'm like right in the middle of the intersection, out of the corner of my eye, I see two round distinct headlights with massive, with a massive, blah, 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 holy shit, I can't talk, with a massive square grill in between them. And the car was black as night, I mean, and it was driving right towards me, not slowing down a bit. And it was completely silent. So I leapt onto the grass, was like, holy shit, you know, getting out of the way of this fucking thing. And uh, I turn and there is nothing there. Just an empty, cold graveyard at dusk. So I um, just kind of shrugged and kept running because... Not much else I could do about it. I made a mental note, but that was about it. Because these things, they make fantastic soil for growing future stories. So um, later on, I looked up the car to try to figure out what the hell I saw. And the closest thing that I could find was pretty fucking insane. Um, I basically, I googled you know old cars and was kind of just trying to find the grill primarily because that's what i remembered most and um i found this one photograph that was like holy shit that's it and there was no name you know it was just the picture i clicked on it and i went to try to find you know what website it was at so i could try to find what it was called and it was a rolls royce and the bot, the oh, holy fuck, I can't talk. The car model, a phantom. Shit, you not. <laughs> so, I'm gonna go ahead and you know say I don't know jack shit about classic cars. It could have been another, holy shit, I'm punching things. Um, it could have been something else, but it just I, from what I remember, that was the grill I saw. I clicked on the picture. You know, I was just going by a picture. I didn't go by the name of it or anything, which I'm just like, really? Phantom? Are you fucking kidding me? So either way, I was just glad I wasn't Ghost Roadkill. But, and at the end of the day, all I saw was the briefest fraction of a second imprint of a vehicle. Um, and it's just a story, and that's okay. Because at the end of the day, that's all we are. Stories. But that's not to say we're never here. And we can't leave an imprint in this world. We make of it what we will. And with that, I'll be back next Friday for a final episode for the year. But this one will be a true story covering something that needs to be remembered. And I'm going to do my best to bring it to life. So until then, keep a candle nearby. Because you never know when the lights will go out. Mm-hmm.